Hello and welcome to our podcast channel, What Matters? Conversations Exploring Psychosynthesis in the World. This is Susan Jukes-Allen, founder of Synthesis Center San Francisco. Join us, along with our hosts, Craig B. Henna and Christina Gustafson, in conversation with psychosynthesis practitioners in the fields of coaching, health and healing, business, spirituality, education, and the arts. Conversations to inform, inspire, and ignite your call of self. Welcome, everyone. Craig and I are here today with Sarah Vittori. Sarah has a master's in education. She is a board-certified coach, psychosynthesis life coach, somatic experiencing practitioner, peak performance coach, somatic educator, melt method instructor, and multi-dimensional guide and healer. By integrating diverse healing modalities, Sarah supports her clients and students to reconnect to their innate biological intelligence, expand their capacity to negotiate life's challenges, rewire old patterns of behavior, and move through fear and stuckness so that they can harness their potential and step forward fully empowered and embodied in their authentic expression in the world. She works with coaches, leaders, and educators to facilitate deeper embodiment, presence, and connection so that they can tap into flow, confidence, and ease in their service with others. She also works with teens and emerging adults to uncover their sense of self, self-worth and confidence, understanding their own internal guidance system so that they can make choices for themselves and the future rooted in their passions and embodied truth. To find out more about Sarah and her work, please visit www.sarahvittori.com and www.peakperformancewithsarah.com. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to see you here with us. Thank you both for, <laughs> for that intro. And it's nice to see you again, Christina, and to be with you, Craig. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we, were, we were kind of joking just before we hit record that, you know, by the time we read out your list of qualifications, we've kind of run out of time on the podcast. <laughs> but I, I'm just interested, you know, you've gone for a, it's a very big journey that you've gone on in terms of your uh, work as a therapist and as a coach and as all of the work you're doing now. Could you give us... Um, a little bit of a rundown about how you got to where you are and what, because it's interesting to see the thread. Often there's like a guiding thread. There's the thing that you realized was calling you all the way along, whether you realized it or not at the time, but you look at it afterwards and think, oh, that's what I was doing. Is, could you maybe give us a rundown of how you got to where you are working and what you're doing now? And with the benefit of the hindsight that you've got, see what the common threads were? Sure. I'm not sure I even know the threads yet. <laughs> That's <laughs> but totally maybe fine. We'll tease them out as we, as we go. It's a work in progress. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I did my undergraduate work um, at Mount Holyoke College in um, Western Massachusetts, really close to where um, I live. And um, I ended up getting pregnant my senior year. Uh, surprise. And so um, <laughs> some, some, 
sort of forced decisions um, at that point to sort of take the priority in, in my family and, and choosing to raise my son and um, decided to go for a master's in school counseling. And it was sort of just an off the cuff, like I like helping people and I should get my master's because that's what you do in my family. You go to college and you get degrees. And so it was a program that was easy for me to do as a single mom and to do at night. And so I was was in that and um, became a guidance counselor and was in a high school working as a guidance counselor. And it was like day one, as I stepped in the door into the high school, when I realized like, ah, no one told me about system dynamics and working in systems and politics and all the stuff that kind of goes into that. So it was like immediately, like I was, I loved working with the kids and um, being in that, um, support role and just the dynamic in the school was like super overwhelming. Um, so at the time, my, my father is a internationally known sports performance consultant. And so he was like, well, why don't you train with me? And then you can like leave the school and start a private practice. And so while I was working as a guidance counselor, I went and did the somatic experiencing trauma training, which is a training that's um, developed by Peter Levine, who wrote a book who um, called Waking the Tiger. And it looks at sort of like our mammalian biology and how that um, sort of impacts who we are and how we behave in the world. And through doing the somatic experiencing training, it's a three-year training. I was still working at the school. Um, I started to connect with my own body and realize how shut down I had been and how much I was really stuck in um, a, a freeze response that was sort of um, presenting as fawning, which is like making sure everybody around me is okay all the time and making sure I'm doing the exact thing that I need to do to please my parents and, and all of these things. And so uh, that was a huge aha to me and started to get the wheels rolling some more around, oh, wow, like, what am I doing with my life? What is happening um, here? And, um, and so it was like my, after my fifth year of working at the high school, I decided to, I was like, had this game plan of eventually leaving and um, in my family get credentials, like that's, it's like a thing. And so it was, okay, like, how can I get a quick credential so that I'm like, um, you know, reliable and trustworthy if I start a private practice? Like if I'm in the States, you have to really, like, if you're not a licensed mental health counselor or psychologist, um, it was sort of like, what was the thing I was going to have? So I, so the board certified coaching sort of credential seemed like a really good, good option for me. And so, so I was on this website, like just searching through hundreds of programs, like coaching programs. Okay. Like what can I do really quick? What will be easy? And like, all of a sudden, like this, like psychosynthesis life coaching program like popped up and I was like, what is this? And I was reading through the description and I was like crying. I was like, oh my God, what is this? This is amazing. Let me go to the website. I bet it's super expensive. I bet it's in another country. <laughs> and I pull up the information and it's like, no joke, Didi lives 15 minutes from me. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, okay, meant to be. 
um, like totally, I mean, that was just so such a huge synchronicity for me. Um, and yeah, I signed up for the, I met, met with her. I signed up for the program. Um, I had done this like creative art exploration, like the weekend before I was going to go meet with her. And like what had emerged from my imagination was this like beautiful ro rose. And it was symbolizing like my reblooming in the world. And I like walk into her house and she's got this giant rose on her rug. I mean, it's like the whole, I mean, it was just synchronicity after synchronicity <laughs> sort of like showing me the way and um and in that training I just I mean it really I had to do the somatic work first for me with how shut down I was I had to reconnect and like get out of the survival patterns I was in and I was really open and ready to sort of be in this like what do I care about? Oh my God. Like I could care about something separate from other people. Like before psychosynthesis, I had never thought about anything other than like a to-do list or like what needed to be done around me. And so it really started to get um, the wheels turning for me around seeing myself separate than others, um, being able to, to see myself separate from the roles that, that I play um, and mm -hmm. I, I mean, it was like right towards the end of that for, I did like a summer, it was like, I think a summer intensive or the first modules in the summer. I can't remember. Um, and I was like, that's it. And I, and I put medical leave in for my job. Cause I was dealing with some autoimmune and chronic illness stuff, um, from the overworking and being at the school and all mm -hmm. those things. Um, and it, there was like just no question at that point. It was like the best decision ever to sort of leave that. And I started a private practice and um, really working a lot with athletes because that was where my referrals were coming in initially um, through my through my father's works so were very blessed for, for that because I immediately had sort of like a full caseload, um, which I know is you know pretty unusual as you're starting, but it was it was it was awesome. And I just, you know, loved work, really love working with, with athletes, like young, young women who are learning about their bodies and wanting to find more confidence. And it, and it was feeling like a really good fit. Um, and so, yeah. And, and now I'm in a private practice. And since then I've done lots of other trainings in my interests and um, mm. really, you know, am develop some healing modality work and do a lot with sort of helping people understand in their own bodies, sort of like the potential that we have for self-healing and for expansion. Um, so I'm working in lots of different facets and, and different areas. I really like my teen population because it, it's like catching my profile before I, I grew up, sort of like working with that area um, to help them really see themselves separate and make choices from mm -hmm. like a grounded place. So they're not making choices based off of what their their parents want for them. Um, Cause we're really wired to do that, to, to please the adults around us, uh, <laughs> to get, get those bonds. Um, so I really love working, um, with that population. And then I work a lot with sort of entrepreneurial women, um, and, and others who are sort of stepping out in the world and want to step out in the world and, um, have a lot of fear, um, and anxiety that comes up with that, with putting themselves out there. Cause sort of like, as we're moving more towards our authentic self, that's going to generate like actual survival fear based on 
our culture of origin and our family of origin and um, our ancestral patterning and things. So um, work with parents to help them with the kids, uh, you know, some working with coaches <laughs> to teach them about their bodies and their sessions. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of different pieces that I'm holding right now that I, that like light me up. So, wow. I don't know. That was, <laughs> that's where I am now. I think. <laughs> Circuitous, and yet it all totally makes sense. You know that that is a thread, right? That runs through, that runs through everything. And hearing you share your story and how you found, um, you know, found each of these modalities that you are being lit up by. Yeah. You know, it does. It does really run throughout the story. Yeah. Yeah. And how how exciting. I have so many different directions that I want to go. Uh, it's Sorry. hard to decide where to, where to tap in. <laughs> well, I know that um, we are going to be sharing this with, you know, the larger psychosynthesis community. And so maybe we can start with the article that you wrote for um, the call of self, mm-hmm. which is, a really wonderful book and has pieces from dozens of psychosynthesis practitioners. Yours is chapter 11 about body soma wisdom. And um, can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of that? You know, you talk in the article about the intricate connection between mind and body and the importance of developing an awareness of the felt sense. Can you tell us about the felt sense and why it's so important to develop that as a coach and as a human? Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So from my orientation and my perspective, the sensation, right? So if we're looking at psychological function, sensation, um, is our ability to sort of be in our felt sense experience, to, to be internally being able to sense what's going inside our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so um, our, our body actually can't tell the difference if something's real or if it's imagined. So if I go in my head and I'm, um, you know, really stressed out, I'm going to start to feel tired and panicky in my body, right? So there are, there are different images that we make and thoughts that we have that have this direct connection in the body. And so if I'm not aware of, right, sort of how our body operates and functions, we, we're mammals. And so our, our biological processing, the way that we operate in the world is governed by our survival responses. And um, from my lens, that the way that the body and the nervous system communicate to us is through sensations. So there are other things that happen too. We have increase in thoughts and, you know, we get images sometimes, but the, the, the main language of the nervous system is sort of um, increased heart rate and shallow breathing. And I have pulses over here in my left shoulder and I have a tightness in my throat. And so the nervous system is sort of sending us these messages and they're coming through sensation. And because of the culture that we live in, in the States. And I, I do think, you know, it's, it's in other places too, but like, I'll just speak to my experience in the U S we grow up really disconnected from our bodies. We are taught in schools, right? Like that intelligence is important and how to use our thinking mind. And we're ignoring sort of what else is going on. 
And, um, and so then we're shoving emotions and we don't even realize it. And we're sort of like compensating in different ways. And so sort of the wisdom that the body has for us is, is the nervous system. The nervous system is what is giving us information around what, um, our needs are, what our desires are, what a boundary we need to set is like, do I need to say no? Like that's coming from the nervous system, right? So the nervous system is offering communication and insights. And if I don't know foundationally how that operates, if I'm not aware that like, if I'm feeling threatened, I'm going to get an increased heart rate. I'm just going to think there's something wrong with me. Right. So a lot of clients that I work with, um, particularly um, younger kids, you know, uh, teens, emerging adults, like often, you know, our, our youth is struggling with mental health. People think there's something wrong with them because they're stressed out, they're anxious, they have a lot of negative thinking and doubts, right? It's just rampant and no one is teaching them that like, it's this like natural biological response in the body. Like if I'm feeling like, you know, worried that I'm going to disappoint somebody that's going to generate a sensation in the body. And all I'm feeling is the panic. And I think something's wrong. And so it's really important sort of like when we know how the body is supposed to work and we start to learn how our body is communicating, right? We can really be in this process of letting go of thoughts and disidentifying from thoughts and subpersonalities and all of those things, right? Like, and, and settling the physiological issue, right? Which is helping the body find as much safety as possible in the moment. Um, I don't know. I was kind of a tangent. I'm not sure if I addressed your question. Um, but so, so as, as a coach, right? So we want to be able to know in our own systems, right? Like what our baseline is like what we feel like, like what our essence of self is. That's a, that's a sensation feeling. That's a felt sense experience in my body physically and in my energy, which I'm also going to feel in my body. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know that really well, then I'm going to merge with clients. I'm not, I'm going to think something's mine when it's theirs. Um, you know, it's going to be, they're going to feel into my anxiety that I don't know what I'm doing, right? Like, you know, or a doubt that I'm having. And so by having our own sense of self and to be able to drop into our coherence, we create an opening in a client dynamic that allows them to show up so that we can see it because then it becomes our skill right? If then we're feeling something that's not ours and we can discern that, right? Because now we know more about the client, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's also helping them find their presence, their safety, their foundation in their own system, because we want clients leaving our offices or our Zoom rooms <laughs> mm -hmm. in rooted in themselves, right? And that feels a certain way, right? And, we, and, and we're not really shown how to feel into ourself at all ever <laughs> which is so surprising yeah yeah um th there's a really interesting this leads to um a quote that you've got on your website actually um that i really liked and i might just read it because i think it might it's a really interesting way based on what you just said 
as from Moshe Feldenkrais, who says, without learning to know ourselves as intimately as we possibly can, we limit our choice. That's actually enough to go on with, but the rest of it is really good too. Life is not very sweet without freedom of choice. Change is very difficult with no alternatives in sight. Yes. And that kind of really speaks to what you were saying about people who are arriving in a state of stress and disconnection, because immediately, as soon as you hit that, hit that place, you lock down and literally your alternatives seem to be about here, right? right? This is often our experience, people's experience, clients' experience. Yeah. And that, that made me think when I read that quote and particularly talking when, in the context of your work, particularly with somatic work, it made me um, think about intimacy and how important that must be and how important that must be to you when you start to work with people who might be arriving in states of really deep, disconnection yeah um and the next quote that i write down directly under this because i thought ah, i think this is a tell safety and security are the underpinnings of resilience and are the keys to supporting the capacity for self-regulation yeah so i thought that's a really interesting thing that you put out there and i wonder if you could talk a bit about that in terms of how you work with people to establish even that really simple baseline of that intimacy with themselves is possible in some cases, I imagine yeah. is a really big deal. Yeah. And also how, how do you encourage safety and security? Cause it's not a given. And a lot of people are kind of working on the assumption that that doesn't really exist for them. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a very good point because it does, because that's a truth for people, right? Like for like yeah. that, it, for some people it doesn't exist. And so it's, it becomes then how do we help them access the most amount that they can, right? And start to even notice it. Because what happens is because we're wired for survival, our brains like to look at all of the dysfunction. Like that's where we're really wired to go. So when we have clients in our in our offices and like they just can't get off the you know spiral train of of that, right? It's like that that is survival energy, right? It's like let's focus on this so we can fix it <laughs> and make it and make it better. Um, yeah. And so what we're doing with, with any kind of healing or, or helping people sort of tune more into themselves is sort of like helping them orient to where really are those positive um, reparative experiences that you've had, where do you feel the most relief, right? Like helping them start to remember and identify, uh, oh, that one time I was on vacation and we went to the beach and like, I didn't have anything to do in my, in my work. And I just was able to relax or I really like to be outside. So you help people, we're really helping people reorient to like where they've had pleasant, settling, grounding, safe experiences. And because the body can't tell when things are real or imagined, if we're helping people and talking with people and having imagery with people, right? Being in that imaginative space about those times, they're gonna get real in time experiences in their bodies and their systems. And then those are the moments as coaches, right, that we can really be drawing their awareness. Wow, you look like you really lightened up there. Wow, do you feel your shoulders, how they've softened, right? And so we're being the mirror back. As a coach, we want to have a really good sense of 
you know, the reason the body is so important to notice in the body, the tells the way the body is communicating, it's giving us so much information before anybody is opening their mouths. And also it's giving us information that, that might be contradicting what someone's saying, right? And so we get to reflect back so that they start to create that sense of coherence in their own system. And, and the other thing that's really important that we wanna be establishing is like actually helping them like learn what an activation and a deactivation cycle feels like in their own system. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with that language, right, like we all go through like activation and deactivation cycles where our body sort of feels like, you know, oh my God, I just got cut off by a car, right? And like, and now I'm like all frustrated or worried and then, okay, there's no accident. So I'm like settling down, right? We're like going through these cycles and most of the time we're pretty, because no one told us or showed us, we're oblivious. We just are angry or we're stressed or we're, and it's all jumbled together. But it actually, there's this really beautiful flow that happens that we can start to learn for ourselves and our clients can start to learn and also learn what helps me get down to my baseline. So I use like a zero to 10 scale with people where zero is like lax, calm, centered, right? Where am I a zero? That's often a question in a first session or a second session we're starting with, like, where am I and how do I feel when I am a zero. Now, some people will say I'm never a zero, never a zero. I run at a five, <laughs> right? Like 10 is like freaking out and, you know, oh, I hover at an eight all day long. And so okay. it's about helping people, right? Like find like that little let, like where is like the little bit less? Okay. If you're not a zero, where are you like your lowest number? And then, and then mm -hmm. what happens is you're orienting people to that. They then start looking for that right? As opposed to the, to the other, which is what we're wired to do. So the choice comes in with awareness, right? We can't have choice if we're not aware of what's happening in our systems in the first place. And so, right, so choice then comes in with that awareness, like, you know, Feldenkrais is talking about, because I can notice my habitual pattern, right? I can notice when I, when I'm having a, a, you know, subpersonality come out and like take over my life, right? And make a different choice. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do with the body is usually when subpersonalities are coming out, or usually when I'm noticing a pattern that's coming out, my system's activated. Right. There means some alert systems going off, giving me a survival cue. We don't even have to know why or what it is, right? And then it's helping clients like really have nervous system tools to like bring their physiology back into more of a baseline. Right. Right. And that kind of answers the, the question I was going to ask next, actually, which is how does the body self-organize? And it's, you just said, well, you do it yourself through that process. And hopefully you've got somebody there to help you with it. But it's that process of awareness right. and taking those steps one right. step at a time. So you're and kind of re retraining your body in a way and retraining yourself to be are. aware of it. We are. We're retraining to be aware of it. And I think, you know, our body has this innate intelligence that it goes through, like a mammal in the wild that you're seeing when it senses danger, right? It like takes off and like and runs away. And when it senses that it's safe, it has this beautiful ability to write, like settle itself down and reestablish safety. And we have that same capacity as humans. We have the same biology, but our, our brain messes it up 
because we go into thinking, right? So right. we go, you know, should I go back to that spot where the, where the car was? You know, if I was the deer, the deer doesn't run away and sort of like problem solve. Should I go back to that spot? I'm not sure. Am I going to get hit? Am I going to get killed? Right? Like it just goes on with its business, but like we ruminate, we create stories, right? Like there's all of this stuff that we're doing internally and not addressing the fact, oh, wait, like my system's just activated and this is an old pattern. And, and I think the other thing that happens and particularly with our youth that, that I'm seeing a lot is a lot of the patterns we're carrying are ancestral. They're not even our own or the root of them, right? Like the foundation of that is carried generation, generation. We in a lot of research they're doing, we're saying we're carrying seven generations. Resma Memekin talks about that mm -hmm. in, in his book, like seven generations for, you know, backwards and forwards. Um, because if we look at time, you know, it's all happening right now. That's like okay. a whole other conversation. <laughs> and, and so, right, like in our tissues, were in responses. And so, you know, for me, I grew up with parents who were really severely, you know, had abuse stuff in their families. So I came out of the womb on alert. You know, my mom just had to look at me funny and I wouldn't do anything wrong. Like I didn't want to get in trouble like that because we grow in the womb space designed to survive in our parents' environments. So a lot of our patterning that we're having are how our parents coped and survived. And then it goes back. And so, you know, my lineage comes from Ashkenazi Jews, right? So there was a lot of fleeing, there was a lot of hiding, right? That, that, that I have imprinting of that is not mine. And so I, you know, a lot of us spend a lot of time working through patterns and trying to make things shift that aren't shifting. And that's often because we're working on things that really don't even sort of have root in our lifetime. And so the work, right, like that I, that I bring that is so important is to help people clear out some of the stuff that really isn't even theirs and just move through. So we're not like picking it apart and excavating it out and like seeing what happened in childhood and like <laughs> doing that whole thing is sort of just like, oh, that's an old pattern. Let's clear it. Like, up. Oh, like we're really, yeah, what you're saying, reprogramming, repatterning so that we can come back to this beautiful organic intelligence that our bodies have. And then the capacity and expansion, once I have a baseline and once I can establish as much safety as I can in my system is just amazing. The work that we can do with people, right, when they can have that and know their triggers and know when their system's in an old survival response, then creates the space for us as coaches to really take people in to higher level realms and Ooh. know that they can land back in and be okay and yeah. coherent and here. Ooh. Yeah. Through listening to you talk about this, Sarah, I'm realizing how important it is really how fundamental your work is to, to our work and going in deeper, going in higher, going into, you know, what do you want to create in your life? What is your authentic self? I mean, if you're, if like you said, you know, you, we get patterned by our ancestors even and in the womb right as as kind of a way to survive in the world of our parents when we come out um that this just seems so 
so imperative that we address these issues at the level of the body and the nervous system, even before we get into these deeper questions about who am I and what do I want to do with my life? You know, what is my purpose? How do you answer that when you're ugh, with right. life, right? Yeah, it's a tricky thing to do and, and we do it and then we're still in patterns or we find ourselves repeating the same thing. So a lot of people who I work with, right, like have done a lot of therapy or they've done a lot of other excavations mm -hmm. and self-exploration, but they just can't seem to like make that lasting shift. And that really comes in around because they're sort of operating still in this, the survival wiring, like, to, because, you know, it, it's, it's a good wiring we have, we need to keep ourselves safe, but the patterns that might have kept us safe, either in our childhood, or in our parents childhood or in our ancestral experiences are not generative for us now to right. be thriving, right? Like, you know, right. I, we always had to be on the move, you know, always had to be on a move or on alert. My mom had to always be on alert. That's how she kept safe. She needed that pattern. That was really important for her. For me, it really broke down my system because I was on alert all day long. It's adrenaline and cortisol pumping and my system is activated and that's breaking down my system. So, so our patterns or our subpersonalities or however we want to look at it, right? Like they develop for a reason they're there to help us and they've right. really gotten us to the place where we are and then as soon as we have awareness that we don't want to do something a certain way anymore then that's when we can be working with those things to really get our systems to a place that can really look at and explore those really amazing questions and that so then we can have the capacity in our bodies and our systems to step out and to be out and to not be on alert or worry that we're gonna you know get in trouble or um you know get killed right like a lot of times being out in your authentic self and or setting a boundary is something is bringing up like i don't want to die right? Like right. that's the feeling in the body. And so giving context, providing context to that for some people can be enough, right? And then the developing awareness to really add the choice point, right? Like mm -hmm. the choice in that moment, right? Like, oh, wait, this is a pattern or, oh, wait, this isn't mine or this is old, right? Then right. allows a different choice. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a gift that you've been able to bring these, these, um, related but different approaches together in such a in such a powerful way it really it feels so so imperative you know I even think about I mean beyond us as coaches working with our clients I'm thinking about the world yeah you know in a broader sense and where we find ourselves now and with, with what you're talking about and what you're saying in terms of these patterns having much more to do, going far beyond just our own upbringing. I mean, yeah. not, that, not that our upbringing may or may not have left some well, lasting challenges to be addressed yeah. and looked at, um, but so, so much further beyond, it seems that it might explain a lot of what we're facing socially. Yeah. And I, and I think the big one right now too, especially with everything that's happened in the pandemic is it sort of interrupted the normal. And so now all of a sudden there's an unknown, 
And the unknown in past times has been really dangerous, really scary, really a problem for us as mammals. And we are in a different day and age. And for those of us who are um, more privileged, right? Like, I, like for me, I'm not in survival right now. Like I, you know, I am a white body in, you know, a middle upper class home, right? Like where I can then not need to be in a fear response about the future, right? Like, but my system might still feel that because we're conditioned to always have a plan and to always know what we're going to be doing and some, right? Like the way that our society really shapes us. So now we've got all these people in the world who've no idea what's happening, right? And, we, and it's like, no one knows what's going on. And so there is a lot of fear. And I think right. another component around the nervous system is that like we project, our energy body projects out around us. We have a toroidal field that we're making that is an energy field, like an energy bubble almost around us. And that's projecting out. And that is a really amazing thing. And it also is a really scary thing <laughs> when you have a lot of people in fear. And so, you know, our, our job, right, as coaches, but also in the world right now is like, how do I find my own sense of grounding in whatever I can in myself, right? So that that is what I'm projecting out to my kids or to my coworkers or to the people I'm coming, the person in the supermarket, right? Um, it, it's huge, especially with the masks that we're wearing and it's taking away oh. an enormous piece of our social engagement system. Our social engagement system goes from sort of like here, right at the solar plexus, all the way up through the face. And we're taking away the most important piece that gives us feedback around whether or not we're safe with another human. So we're wired for survival in this fight, flight, freeze way. And we're also wired to connect as humans with the social engagement system. And so there are lots of ways that have shifted that are affecting these interrelational dynamics without us even realizing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And how do we meet that most effectively? I mean, I would imagine awareness of that is probably step one. And then so and how do we meet what? which which yeah piece? i know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> oh my gosh i don't know i exactly what you were saying yeah. about just being in in like the pandemic and you know here being in the united states yeah. and everything that's unfolded over the last few months well actually several months right the pandemic has brought forth um many different areas and issues into the light that maybe weren't being seen so much before this happened, that the pandemic yeah. is making it so much more obvious. And, and just on a, on a personal level, I have felt that fight, flight, fear response coming up quite a lot in this last year. Yeah. Uh, also being in a situation where I don't have to be, you know, quite as concerned about whether or not there's going to be dinner on the table tonight or a roof or over our heads next week. But, but all of this has brought up even those types of fears, sure. you know, and, and I think about us on a social level with the toroidal field and how we, sh mm -hmm. as we come into contact with others, 
and their fields, what's, ha- what's happening? Yeah. And how do we uh, approach what's happening for us now, what this last year especially has kind of awakened in us and, and be able to move forward in, in a trajectory that's healthy yeah. You know, for yeah. our families, for our communities, for, our, well, for ourselves, our families, our communities, our world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such big questions and important questions. And I really feel like it starts with our own individual awareness yeah. and our own cultivation of the, the most coherent energy field that we can be in. Right. And so what that would mean, right. Is like, how do I sense it goes back to what we're talking about at the beginning, more of myself, right? Because then that becomes my gift. Because if I'm vibrating out and I'm in my state of being, that's my energy and my joy and my connection, my sons are going to have that engagement. The person in the supermarket is going to feel that from me, whether or not they see my face, you know, whether or not they're seeing my mouth, right? They're going to see it in the eyes. They might feel it in their body. And so it really starts with that radical self-awareness and um, working through our own triggers so that we can be and hold, you know, as solid an energy field as we can so that that's then how we're engaging. And also the more clear I am, like the more I am in myself, the more access I'm going to have to my gifts, to um, problem solving, right? Like to my ability to be in like dynamic engagement and really look at some of what's going on in the world, right? But Mm -hmm. if I'm watching the news and I'm getting that feedback into my system, it's going to just freeze me up. And then I'm going to be overloaded and keep doing it, (laughs) which is just going to continue it. Or I'm going to feel super like I can't get off the couch. Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, What did I want to, do you have something, Craig? Yeah, I was actually going to pivot things a little bit. Because one of the things that you do a lot, Sarah, is working with um, women and girls. And I was going to maybe see if we could talk about that for a bit and what your approach is and how that, how you came to that and what, um, well, how that works specifically, um, what, uh, because what you're, you're talking about that process of connection and the process of working to bring people from a position of disconnection to connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've certainly got a lot of issues with that in the culture. And I'm, I'm, one of the other reasons that I'm thinking about this is because there's this Mary Oliver quote that I can't quite remember, so I'm not going to try because I'll butcher it. But it talks about, she's, she writes something about how difficult it is even in this past century when things are relatively, have been relatively progressive, how difficult it still is for women to say what they want. And, you know, she writes about that much more extensively than I can remember at the moment. But that really uh, resonated with me as I was reading about what you do. And I wondered if you had any thoughts about that and how that plays out with your work. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, the, the funnel for that age group for me is sports. And so I get um, a lot of athletes who are gymnasts and divers, um, 
it, well, and equestrian riders, I mean, I work a lot with different athletes, but sort of like the bulk of my practice, I would say are like gymnasts and divers. Cause those sports like are really scary. <laughs> they right. like generate like real biological fear. They're doing like superhuman stuff. Right. And so, um, and so my foot in the door with these kids is their sport. And so through helping them work through whatever performance problem or block is coming online uh, a lot in gymnastics and diving is like kids get skills that like um like a backhand spring right which is like a backflip kind of thing mm -hmm. and um and then they lose them right so they might have a fall or an accident mm -hmm. or they might see another kid do something scary and because the body's designed to protect them when they go to do that skill again the body's like mm -mm, don't die let's not do it and then they can't do it anymore okay. so um when you're learning um, new things and sports, right? You make mistakes. So a lot of mistakes in gymnastics and diving, you hurt your body and our bodies don't like to be hurt. <laughs> and so um, they have these automatic responses. And so my, my foot in the door is working with them to, to help them with that, that process. And so through that, I'm, you know, we're teaching a lot of things, right? I use a ton of the psychosynthesis frameworks. It was funny because I'd been studying with my dad for like five years in the peak performance arena before I started to learn the psychosynthesis stuff. And it put maps and frameworks for me, the stuff I was already mm -hmm. doing, but it like organized it differently. And I know I've talked with some other psychosynthesis pe people, you know, who have had similar experiences in their other modalities they've learned. It was like, all of a sudden psychosynthesis give words and frameworks and maps for, for stuff that's going on. And so, you know, it's helping them identify an observer. It's helping them being able to like sort of separate themselves from others because we are wired to survive. So, and, and connect to the adults around us. So there's a lot of, um, you know, doing things because parents want them to, um, having a lot of anxiety and fear because they're worried they're going to disappoint a coach or a parent, which is what then generates the, the fear in the body. So it's helping them learn the mind-body connection, learn that what you're thinking is affecting your body, help them understand that our thoughts aren't true, right? Because we're all, most of us walk around thinking that, right? Like, God is speaking to us the absolute truth in like every moment. Um, and so for all these kids, that's like a huge, like what? My thoughts aren't true in it. And it helps sort of like separate that out. And I do a lot of subpersonality work with them, right? Helping them name their inner critic who comes out at, at you know, gym and telling them that they suck or, you know, that they're not going to be able to do it. You know, so there's a lot of, um, accessing these beautiful psychosynthesis frameworks um, in a way for kids to then have a, a map for when things are going on. So learning how to listen to what their body is communicating to them. A, a big issue that, that I'm seeing in our youth and then you see it reflected in, in our adults is that we don't know how to trust our bodies and we're overriding the cues and, and the information that's being communicated. And so how that manifests with athletes is through injury. And so I see a lot of kids who, um, a lot of gymnasts, because it's, you're getting a lot of perfectionists who want to please coaches who have really high tolerance levels for pain. So they're pushing 
through because they can. I mean, and athletes are super tough and they're pushing through pain. And there's that fine line between when it's pain and a problem and kids, they want their coach to tell them or they're looking their and their coaches are still stuck in the stone age and are saying harder, faster, stronger. It's not so bad. You're fine. Oh. Um, and so I do a lot of work with kids, helping them reconnect to body sense, helping them re-identify sort of like, what does it feel like when my body is having a problem? Like, what is my no? Like what it, you know, and how to, then how to communicate that to a, an adult. Um, so it's a lot of those frameworks. And then once I'm in the door with the sports, what happens is that like, oh, we're in these bodies and I'm stressed out at school and I'm, you know, stressed out with my friends and my parents. And so then it becomes a way, okay, so if I'm doing this at gym and I'm learning how to be in the present moment and I'm learning how to calm my body down and I'm learning how to identify that, oh, I can now do it over here and I can do it over here. And so we then weave it into sort of like the, the wider, the wider life. Um, and a, a lot of the athletes, a lot of performance problems start to surface junior and senior year of high school, because mm -hmm. all of a sudden in the States, that's when it counts. That's when recruiting happens. That's when I start thinking about college and life after college. So, um, so then I'm thinking about those things. So my body starts mm -hmm. to st stress out and then I have a performance issue. So I, I'm helping a lot or, or guiding kids and showing kids around, how do you make decisions that are yours? Like you want to go to college? Super. Like, how do you know that in your body? Like, cause a lot of kids are just doing things because it's what they do. It's the town. It's the, it's the school. Um, you know, their, their family is communicating these things. So it's, it's really helping them find their, their voice and their knowing and what they want. Right. So that would be the impulse desire. Um, mm. you know, psychological function is often shut down, um, or non-existent. And so we're kind of, um, bringing that back online. And for me, that's the nervous system and how the nervous system is communicating. Okay. So you're really, you're really, cause I was thinking, as you were saying, yeah, we're really talking about the nervous system and the somatic system generally being operating like um, sub personalities yeah. that we can have yeah. really positive or really negative. Yeah. To, right. Yeah. And then and when you talk about that, that particular aspect of that, like that impulse desire and really solidly locating it in how yeah. you feel, what is your experience rather than your conditioned thoughts. For sure. And, and I would even propose that our different sub-personalities have different nervous system states. And so we can learn, right? Like my um, perfectionist, has a different nervous system state than the mother part of me or the, you know, or my observer, right? So it's like helping also identify in the body, like, okay, when I'm in myself or like, and I'm rooted in my authenticity, like, what is that nervous system state? Like, what do I feel? Like, how do I feel? And not feeling like an emotion, but like physically sensation wise, like what's that imprint of being? Right. Yeah, because you are really talking about an imprint there, aren't you? Because I mean, that makes a lot of sense that the the patterns, the thoughts, the feelings would be consistent but different depending on what mode you're in. Yeah. And okay. what kind of, so to speak, what, what face you're wearing. For sure, yeah. And who's coming mm. online. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's coming online to meet whatever situation we're, exactly. we're in, right? Mm. So, Sarah, you mentioned in your article, you, you quoted Bessel van der Kolk and saying that knowing what we feel is the first step to knowing why we feel that way. Mm-hmm. And you went through a step-by-step process of tracking sensation. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you can walk us through that now uh, for, for our audience so that sure. we can have that tool for ourselves. Sure. And so I think going back to what I was saying a little bit before, it's like foundationally, right? Like knowing what, what we feel. So like the, the first step and what we want to do with clients is helping them find their body in the space, because the very first way that we kind of bring people back is by having them like physically recognize and feel into their body. And so for an example, if you guys want to just both bring your awareness to find all the spaces that your body might be connecting to surface. And so you might notice inside of you that your bottom is sort of like on the chair. So we're looking for sort of finding where the body is dropped in. So you might notice your hands resting on your legs or on the table. You might notice feet connecting to the floor. So we're bringing awareness for ourselves, right, to get present for a client, but then also for our client to just arrive in the room because usually they're not there. They're in their head. They're totally in what they want to talk about and what they hope to accomplish in the session and and all those things. So it's like, we want to bring them like right here. And so that's, that's the body and in, in the room. And what I often will do, if I have a client in my office, I'll have them look around my office and just describe some things that they see. That's called orienting, Mm -hmm. right? In, in somatic experiencing language, which is sort of like animals do it in the wild. They're looking around, they're turning their head and their Mm -hmm. neck which is really allowing the physiology to sort of evaluate, oh yeah, there's no danger, there's no tiger, there's no man with a knife right here. So I'll have clients in in their room or in their chair look around to land, right? Mm-hmm. And so once I've done once I've done that, then we can go inside the body. And I think what's really important that when we're starting to work with the body for ourselves, and bring awareness for ourselves or with our clients that everyone is coming in with like a really um, wide range of experience. And so sometimes when you're asking clients to just like in any psychological function, if you're asking a client to go into sensation, they might like have no idea what that means, right? So you want to really normalize with clients and normalize with yourself. If you're identifying like, oh my God, like body, she said sit in the chair. What does that mean? (laughs) Right. We really want to validate that. And what we're doing is we're reestablishing connections in a small way over time. So the first step is finding the body in the space. And then the second step would be bringing people to, to sense inside of themselves. And, And we do a lot of tuning in and psychosynthesis at the beginning, right. With like a tuning in. And so you're having them tune in and focus their awareness to internal sensation and you can menu for them, right? Like heartbeat, vibration, temperature, 
So some people who might not know, you can give them some examples. And then we're having the awareness, you know, kind of stay in the sensation. And so what we're doing is we're like wanting people to start to learn how to track their activation and deactivation cycles. So when they're talking about things, you can have them pause and notice what's going on because they might be so in their head right here and not realizing like, oh, there's this really good nugget of anxiety that might be sitting Mm -hmm. right in the solar plexus. Mm -hmm. So um, starting with that baseline, bringing awareness in. And so an easy thing that I do with clients to like even be able to begin to notice awareness is I have them stand up. So I don't know if maybe one of you want to stand up and we can, or both of you want to stand up and do it or not. I'm just going to disappear from the screen for a minute. Disappear from the screen. Yes. Okay. I'm in. Uh, oh, I am too. You're in the, oh, you're sort of in the screen. Okay. And so now that you're both there, I just want to invite you both to put your hand on your heart space. And what you're going to do is just turn your awareness inside your body and just see if you can sense from the inside your heartbeat. And you might not be able to, or you might feel it faintly, or you might feel it pounding. And just you're going to register in your awareness, like what that feels like for you. I feel it. Cool. I feel it in my throat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then put your hand down. And Christina, we did this at your training. Now I want to invite you guys to jump. Jump, 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 jump a lot. Jump, jump, get your workout. Jump it, jump it, jump. Jump in, shake, dance. Oh yeah, we got dancing and shaking for those of you who are listening. (laughs) Jumping, jumping and shaking and dancing, going on. All right, now pause your body and stop and put your hand right back over your heart. Now, without making it do anything different, I want you to just have your awareness on your heart and you're tracking, you're just noticing. Tracking just means following. You're just noticing what it's doing. So you're gonna give it a little time and you're gonna just let it do what it wants to do. Beautiful. And what are, what are you noticing, Christina, in your body? Right after I, after you asked us to pause, I noticed my heartbeat was um, more intense. Mm -hmm. And that it's starting to slow now. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Starting to come back down. Mm -hmm. Craig, and what are you noticing? Same to begin with, the, the, obviously the heart rate was a little uh, higher and now it's slowing. And also I noticed that the beats are a little stronger. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you both can sit down. Hmm. That was fun. Yay. <laughs> and... And so that's a really simple thing to do with a client that's not charged, 
that will get them to start to learn sensation, right? Because oftentimes if they're hyped up or stressed out, you guys are problem solving something, right? Like it's very charged and it's hard to start working with sensation with someone from that place. Mm -hmm. But this is a way, right, where you can teach them how to bring a little bit of awareness. So a lot of times, particularly like my young kids that I do this with, they'll, um, oh my god I can't feel feel anything it's like are you dead <laughs> you know but then they jump they jump and then they feel it because when you jump jumping is activation in the system right, right? right so what we're mirroring right is a healthy activation deactivation cycle when we get activated and we leave the physiology alone what goes up must come down and so there's this really mm. natural thing that comes down and that is in any state any emotion we work with right any of those other psychological functions there is beautiful arc that we can learn in our own bodies as practitioners mm. that we can teach our clients to learn in their own systems and recognize so that there's an ending because i think a lot of times right people are avoiding emotion or they're avoiding feeling a certain thing or being in a certain process because it feels like too much but we want to learn and show people people, right? Like, okay, we can go this way. And then we come down and it mirrors the arc of a session. Usually too. usually people start here. We move to an issue, right. And we work on an issue and then there's some resolution. And then we do sort of some problem solving and planning for next time. Right. So there, there are beautiful ways that these activation deactivation cycles mirror our work as coaches and, and also what's going on in, in our bodies. Um, Yes. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was yeah. fun and very illustrative of what you're talking about. <laughs> that was a good, good example. So I'm, I, I had, I think it's my sociology degree that keeps coming back, but I really have this, this, this wish for psychosynthesis to kind of expand into the world. And um, I'm wondering about your thoughts on that or your feelings about that as you know, as we continue to do our work in, in this field and to connect it with other fields and it comes together, I mean, what, what is your vision for our unfolding world? With, with the unfolding world within psychosynthesis, is that? W within psychosynthesis, yeah, and beyond. I mean, what's your wish? My wish? That's a yeah. big question, my friend. I know, but I love it. We got to start somewhere. We can start with imagination and dreaming. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I really see it as organically unfolding. Like I think we are in it right now, right? Like, and and how I found psychosynthesis and other people find psychosynthesis is sort of this really beautiful um, mirroring that the universe is providing of some real magic that's available mm -hmm. and connection. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think what's happening and what we're seeing is like these programs starting to emerge, more psychosynthesis programs, right, in the world starting to emerge and that interest that are then training more practitioners and more coaches, and then it's sort of sp spreading out. And it's sort of like, there's this underpinning of psychosynthesis, right, in the different, in different modalities, in, in different orientations. And so... I would love it if we were calling it psychosynthesis and, and sometimes it's not going to be called psychosynthesis and sort of trusting that, that those seeds are there and that that sort of like those initial frameworks and um, 
and foundations, right? Like are supporting the container of real healing that's happening right now in this rapid time of growth. I mean, I don't, I, healing is happening so much faster now in this time than ever before yeah. we're moving through. And I see this from a trauma lens and a somatic perspective, being able to move through um, trauma and process and stuff in our bodies faster than like my parents' generation and their, and their parents' generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of factors to that, but so that we're in this rapid time of growth. And I think sort of those foundational tentacles are sort of like really, you know, contributing to um, this, this expansion that we're in. I love that and find that so exciting. It really is exciting to be alive in this time. It is it really, a really is. curious time to be alive. Right <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. But I guess depending on where your belief structures are at, I know mine is that I chose it. So, mm-hmm. so here we are. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> And and for you, Sarah, what are you most excited about in in the in your current work, and what's kind of being birthed for you in your career? That is such a also big question. It goes back yeah. to all the labels at the beginning of what I'm doing. There's so many things that I'm excited about. I think, um, you know, I. I'm stepping into doing some more programming with Synthesis San Francisco with supporting coaches and getting some of this foundational somatic um, integration into some of the, the programming. So that really jazzes me up. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm uh, going to be launching in the next couple of weeks, uh, next couple of months, a program for, for teens and emerging adults yeah. that is more of like a group mentoring coaching program that takes sort of the the frameworks that I've been using and is um chunking it into a group program for teens to develop more um more just basic body awareness and physiology 101 and being able to have more access to choice and make as they're making decisions so they can like you know help us here as we, (laughs) as we are in this, this process. And so it's sort of, for me, it's like, if we can get to people earlier before a lot of uh, patterns, more patterns build more than they have, it's easier to move through some of the stuckness and have that awareness. Um, And I, you know, there's such a call right now for, for humans to be stepping out. And, um, and so, I'm really pulled to work with entrepreneurs and coaches and healers and way showers and people who are really being in their work in the world who yes. are, are experiencing fears and blocks because um, I just think there's so much potential to move through those stuckness pieces very quickly and to really start to feel confident and empowered and comfortable in sharing the gifts because I think a lot of us know that or we're called to do something or we really want to be more in the world and more in service and there's a lot that's sort of like holding us back and we can't quite 
get there. And so clearing out and relieving a good sense of your nervous system regulation um, really then allows people to step in. And that my one-on-one work that I'm doing right now with that population is really juicy for me. Um, and the expansion potentials, right? Like once we have that baseline and the, being able to access our gifts and our healing potentials, like, and differentiate the, the insights that are coming in and the channeling that's coming in, differentiating that out from myself is, is a really important skill, um, that, that can be very helpful. So yeah, yeah, I don't even know if I've covered everything, but that, those are some of the, (laughs) the things that I'm excited about right now. Oh, and I'm also, I have a friend and I who runs a program called Lead Yourself Youth, and we do somatic training for educators in um, school systems. And we're going to be also in the next month launching a program for parents. Um, to help them find more regulation in their systems um, and help them deal with their big emotions and their kids' big emotions. Um, So (laughs) um, I I do a fair amount of consultation work with parents and and families who have kids who are um, struggling or who are in sort of like more fight responses or, um, you know, having some trouble. And so so that's also something I have a lot of passion about is helping us as parents hold a coherent space, a grounded, a calm space for our kids because right. our kids are our biggest triggers and they just trigger our survival patterns and different things. Uh, <laughs> Don't they? Yes. And so <laughs> having skills and resources and tools for ourselves as parents is, um, is really huge in supporting the next generation right. um, that are coming up to. Right. And to give, to give their kids that opportunity to really unfold without us as parents being afraid of it. And like you said, getting, getting triggered. Absolutely. And ideally, you know, working with these younger populations, you don't want their parents to kind of undo the work that you're doing with them. It's important for the parents to be on board with this, with this emergence of their, of their kids. Absolutely. Super great work, Sarah. So, so excited for all that you're working on. Really, really. Mm. And just, uh, just what we said at the beginning, but just if people are now wondering if they can contact you, where can we f- people find you online? Sure. Yeah. Um, I have two websites right now. Um, I have my Sarah Vittori website, which is the coaching and um, consulting which is um, www.saravittori.com. There is no H in Sarah, so it's just S-A-R-A. And then um, my peak performance website is peakperformwithsarah.com. And, um, and you can find some of the Lead Yourself Youth information at leadyourself.org. Um, so le- no, leadyourselfyouth.org. I'll make sure I'll get you that for any show notes that you guys might have. But okay. yeah, leadyourselfyouth.org is where you can find that. And um, I have a Instagram and a Facebook for my business that you can find me um, with Sarah Vittori, um, with a Sarah Vittori search. It should, should pull that pull that up for you. Perfect. Brilliant. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you Thanks both for, for joining Thanks, us. Sarah. Yeah, great to be here. This podcast is brought to you by Synthesis Center San Francisco. In collaboration with the Synthesis Center Amherst, Massachusetts, we offer professional development and personal growth through psychosynthesis. 
for more information about our board-certified coach training program, workshops for personal and professional growth, as well as how to work with one of our psychosynthesis-trained coaches, visit us at synthesiscentersf.com. Awaken your purpose. Create your life.